Welcome to Resilience Unraveled, your regular guide sharing tools and expertise to build a life full of positivity and possibility. Here's your host, Russell Thackeray. So today I'm talking to Robert Phipps. Robert's a really interesting guy. He's written a very thought-provoking book about body language. In fact, you're known as the body language man. So morning, Robert. How are you? Good morning, Russell. I'm absolutely fine. How are you, sir? Very good. Very good. Enjoying the sunny weather. It's really unusual in the UK. We're, we're all sitting in shorts and t-shirts. How about that? Yeah, it's baking hot, even indoors. <laughs> <laughs> so, Robert, tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself how, and, and why you thought it was a good idea to write this book. Um, well, a publisher actually approached me because uh, various people had said to me over the years, you know, at that time you've written a book, didn't it? And yes, I'd always wanted to write a book or two or three, um, but I didn't want to go through the process like most uh, authors do, which is submitting, you know, a sample of your book and hoping that the publishers will pick it up. Um, so I waited until the publisher came to me. and. <laughs> then it was more sort of dictated on my terms than publishers' terms. That's excellent. And so tell me about the book. What's it called? What's it about? It's called A Body Language. It's what you don't say that matters. Right. And so put it sums it up pretty nicely because it's the nonverbal part, so there's, there's no words in there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So body language is interesting, isn't it? Because it's, it's not a new idea, is it? No, we've known about body language from uh, sort of an anecdotal point of view and going through history, you know, um, the first books on body language were for actors, um, although it wasn't called body language until around about 1968, 1969, when Desmond Morris sort of coined the term body language, right. um, because before then it was always known as non-verbal communication. Yes. So, um... So why do you think, what was it about Desmond Morris that changed the game and changed the words about it? Well, Desmond Morris was a, a zoologist, and so he came at it from looking at apes and then comparing our behaviour with what apes do and how similar we are in the way that we have our facial expressions, the way that we have our groups, we have our territory, we have our own space, the way that we interact. Um, it's the same as most of the ape world. Um, so he started sort of comparing that and looking at it, and because it was the physical gestures that he was more interested in at that point, he turned the, the language of the body, so it became body language. Right. So, so who else has been in, instrumental in your thinking around this subject? Um, one of the most uh, sort of influential people for me was, uh, or is, a guy called Alan Peace, um, who's an Australian who uh, had the first book. Uh, on body, well, not the first book, but the first book titled Body Language. Yeah. Um, and he came from a sales background, the same as I did. Um, so he was one of my sort of major influences, and you know, we've since, <laughs> over the last 15 years, we've been friends because we're in the same field now. And didn't he write um, a couple of books with his, was his wife, Barbara Pease, as well? And when, when yes, they, they, they were later books. They came on, you know, around about in sort of 2000, 2001. Um, they had uh, a sort of men are from Mars, women from Venus type, which was called Why Men Don't Listen and Women Can't Read Maps. That's right. I remember reading that and uh, the idea that 
women have 30,000 words a day and men have 7,000. So that's why men grunt at the end of the day and women like to talk a lot. So I, I always remember, yes. always, always made me smile that idea. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll move rapidly on. <laughs> the, um, the, um, so, so um, I mean, obviously, I've heard some of the work that, um, I forget the woman's name now, there's a big TED talk about power poses and such like, and that, again, builds on this work of body language. Have you got any... Yeah. Have you seen, have you seen her stuff as well? Uh, are you talking about Amy Cuddy? Yeah, that's the one. Yes, 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 I've seen her stuff. Um, there's some very good videos on YouTube, um, and TED Talks and things like that on body language. And it's good to watch quite a few because it's amazing how differently the different presenters come at body language because it is such a wide topic um, you can pick up on all sorts of different elements of it from you know the way that people smile uh, and look at you to how how close they stand to you you know the angles that they use what accessories they use as barriers and things like that so you can come at body language from almost any point of view whether it be business personal relationships you know it's there, and the wonderful thing about the subject is you don't need very much to study it <laughs> because human beings are all around us all the time, and you can just sit in a bar, a restaurant, coffee shop, or shopping mall, and just watch. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, I remember reading some of the stuff that Malcolm Gladwell came up with about micro expressions. And he, and he was quite negative about the idea of body language and said, actually, it's much more about the facial expressions we have rather than these big sort of gestural things we, we, we come up with. I think you wrote the book Blink that talks a lot about this. Do you see that as it's being... It's a combination. Right. I was going to say, do you see adding to or detracting from the idea? I would, well, I would never separate them because um, they're inter interactive between the part of you know the face, the hands, because as you pull one facial expression, your hands do something at the same time, or you angle your body at the same time. So it's not just about the face, it's what else is going on. Um, you know, you can have somebody, for example, cross their arms and smile at you. Right. Now, that's a bit confusing, because in theory, according to a lot of uh, people, when you cross your arms, you're being negative. Yeah. But if you've got a smile on your face, are you being negative? Mm. Well, that depends on the type of smile, because you've got 27 of them. 27? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not all smiles are, are good. Yeah. You know, you get a sideways smile, you get the tongue-in-cheek smile, you get the sarcastic smile, you get the contemptuous smile. They're not always good. Yeah. You know, the, the genuine smiles, you see... The, the corners of the lips sort of curl up to meet the corners of the eyes. And the reason that that happens is there are muscles that only work when they're sort of involuntary, when you are expressing a genuine emotion. Yeah. Um, the zygomatic muscle, muscle around the corner of the lips, um, that pulls your lips up towards the corners of your eyes. And then you've got a muscle around, the corner, around your eye, orbicularis oculi, which pulls the corners of your eyes down to meet the corners of your lips, which is why you get those very rounded faces when people are genuinely smiling. Right. And of course, as human beings, we pick up on those, that subtlety in the facial expression, I guess. Yes, we do. We're, not always. I mean, most body language is unconscious, and people just decode it unconsciously. Um, but not everybody sees it. 
you know, micro-expressions, we mentioned them, micro-expressions last less than a quarter of a second. Yeah. So not everybody sees them. They happen all day, every day, in you know, most situations you get it off of, you know, people in shops when you ask for something that's a bit awkward for them to go and get you, you know, a pair of size tens out of the back room and you get that momentary like sarcastic smile or you know grimace on their face and then they go, Oh yes, sir, I'll go and get that and they're all smiling and happy. So these things happen, it's just a matter of whether or not you pick up on them. Some people are almost instinctively good at picking up on this stuff. It's not instinctive because they've learned it over, you know, years and years and years and it starts way, way back in childhood and we start noticing other people's body language and that's what helps us develop as children because we're watching the people around us and we adopt their mannerisms and things. How many times have you seen, you know, a parent sitting with a kid and the kid starts copying exactly what mum or dad are doing? without any cues from mum or dad. Right. So, so that's interesting. So, um, so you're saying, so you're saying it's unconscious, but you're actually saying that body language is learned from the parents? It's learned from everybody around you when you're growing up, because wherever you are now in your life is the sum total of everything you've ever experienced, not just body language, but all your uh, good and bad parts memories and things like that, you know, so you, if you have people that are positive around you and have positive body language, you will generally adopt the positive stuff, because children generally go towards the most controlling or the most senior person within a relationship. You know, if you have mum and dad and mum is the one that controls things, they tend to adopt mum's postures and mannerisms, because it's a way of uh, taking back control as a child, because you don't have much control. So you look to the ones who do. So as we go through life, does body language continue to evolve in your view? Or um, So for example, if you, if you go to work and you're working with a very strong boss, would you adopt their body language using the same method? Uh, not so much, but yes. I mean, you actually have uh, many of the sort of uh, self-development uh, speakers out there use the term, fake it till you make it. Right. And that's, you simply adopt other people's, not just their body language, but you know, their style of clothing, those sorts of things, to take yourself away from who you are now to who you want to be. And if you admire, you know, you have lots of people that admire celebrities, and they'll go and buy their perfume and their shoes and their jewellery and whatever else this celebrity has as a brand, they will go and buy it. So what's your views on fake it till you make it? Is, are you saying that actually if you act as if you are something, that will make things come true? Is that, is that, is, so in other words, getting in control of your body language can produce a result? Oh, very much taking control of your body language definitely produces different results because you, one, you become aware of your own body language and how you're putting yourself across to the world, and two, you become aware of the rest of the world and how it's putting itself across to you. And just by uh, having that knowledge gives you more control. In my book, I call it Yoda, and I put this right at the beginning, and it's nothing to do with Star Wars character. Right. It's an acronym for You, Observe, Decode, Adapt. And it's the last part that's the important bit. It's the adapt, because there's no point, in my opinion, understanding anything about body language unless it's useful to you, unless it gives you choices in the way you behave, the way you deal with people. So the first part is you look at you and who you are 
yeah. where you are at this point in your life, what have been the influences, what have been, how you perceive the world, how you think the world perceives you. So take a good look at yourself, then start observing both other people because there's a lot more body language than most people realize because most people only look at it from an unconscious level. But once you start looking at it consciously and sort of taking mental notes of what's going on throughout a conversation, a business transaction, whatever, you then have to decode that. So what, what does all this stuff that I've, I've observed mean? And once you've decoded it, then and only then do you have a choice as to how you behave. You can either carry on down the same track, or you can go, oh, I noticed I said or did something then, and they crossed their arms, moved back, and changed the angle of their body. That's giving you a big negative. So whatever you just said or did, didn't go down too well with the other person or group. So at that point, you've noticed that, and then you have a choice. Do I carry on plowing down this same route that I'm going, and not worrying about you know, getting on people's nerves and being negative? Or do I go, oh, I just noticed that. What did I just say or do? And then you have a chance to adapt your behavior or your approach to other people. Right. So, so, when, when, so when, you, when you're observing someone then, so what would you look for? Are there any specific sort of easy things to start this process? Um, you're looking at it already. So to start with, look at the things that you notice most. So is it people's hands? Is it the way they look at you or not look at you? Because people do, in this country, we tend to look at people around about 65% of the time when we're interacting with them. Right. Um, so anything less than that, you have to ask yourself, why am I getting less? If anything more than that, why am I getting more? So look at some of the big things, the way that people smile at you. Are they genuine smiles? Are they appropriate to the conversation? Because you can't separate body language from everything else that is going on, because even uh, things like the environment will influence your body language and other people's. I'll give you an example. Most people wouldn't like going into a courtroom. And if you walk into a courtroom, all around you are symbols of authority and power. People are dressed differently, you know, they've got wigs on, they've got gowns, they've got, you know, white frilly shirt types of shirts, there's uh, symbols up, you know, big shields, you know, with heraldic, you know, referring to her majesty, a duet, mondroit, and all the rest of it. And that immediately makes people go, ooh, I'm somewhere of authority. And that will change their body language. So an environment can change things alone. Right. In an office environment, people will be different with their boss to what they would with their boss having a drink down the bar. So, so you're saying that the context we're in then change, or the people who are around us will change our body language because that's the symbol of what's going on inside of our heads. You're not changing. Correct. It's not the other way around. It's, so, so in other words, if you, so for example, a lot of people talk to me about confidence. So if you're going into court, or you're going to see your boss, yep. or you're worried, that yep. context make you may make you exhibit signs of less confident body language. So, are you saying that acting as if you're confident will make you more confident? In that situation, yes, because studies have shown that if you act in a certain way for more than six or seven minutes, you tend to adopt that emotion and that state of being. I'll give you an example. Have you, have you ever been to a fancy dress party, Russell? I have. What did you dress as? 
I've, I've been to many actually, so so plenty of them. <laughs> plenty. I've been to I've been to lots of regal ones and royalty ones, you know, sort of from um, like Louis the Fourteenth type things. Let's say that one to start with. Okay, so did you start acting royally and start talking in a different accent for a little while? Yeah, you do, don't you? That's right. So you've adopted the, the, the mannerisms and the, even speech patterns and things like that based on what you're wearing. Yes. So you are now acting a part and you felt like that while you're acting the part. So if you act in a certain way for more than six or seven minutes, you tend to adopt that state that you're acting to be. There was a great program on um, Channel 4 uh, about 10 years ago called Fake It. Uh, yeah, uh, Faking It. And what they did was they, they took you know, an ordinary person who had no knowledge of uh, I don't know, DJing, for example, and they gave them one month intensive DJing from you know, mentors, they like outfits, they got them you know, taught as much as they possibly could within a month. And then they put these people up against proper trained DJs that have been doing it for five and ten years. <clears throat> and they had experts trying to um, find the faker. And it was around about 70-30, in as much as they only got the faker about 30% of the time. Now these were top experts that should know their stuff and should be able to spot a fake. But they, a lot of the time, they didn't. Right. So you can use your body language. So no, before I ask that question, so I'm thinking more, more back towards the, um, the fancy dress thing, because what happens after a period of time is you revert back to your normal state. So you're at the fancy yep. dress part, then, you, then you're being yourself, but dressed in, a, in an odd way. And there's, 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 like, there's a disparity between the inside and the outside then, isn't there? So you've got to think yes. about it. I think you've got, to, you've got to, from what you're saying, you, have to almost, you can't rely on it being automatic, because automatically you're not that person, are you? You've got to keep working at it, I guess. Correct, yeah, it, it is fake it till you make it. Once you do it for, if you like, long enough, then you uh, tend to adopt what it is that you're faking. So what you're saying is, in order to decode, so you can become more expert at decoding, but the reason you're decoding is to yep. adapt your own response to it. Yes, absolutely. Because there's a lot more stuff to observe than people think. So once you've decoded what you've observed, then and only then do you have a choice as to how you behave with other people. So are there, are there, are there mistakes that people frequently make when they're decoding other people's body language? Are there common mistakes? Yeah, it's quite amazing actually because in the last, uh, about two weeks, I've been changing my profile picture on Facebook about every two days. Yeah. And each picture I've put up has had a different expression. Some have been genuine smiles, some have been a serious looking face, uh, some have been my hand covering my face. It's quite amazing how out of my about 700 friends on Facebook, how many of them misread the, the photographs that I've put up. Right. So body language, yeah. It's a matter of learning because all you've got up to now, if you haven't learned anything about body language, is your natural baseline instincts. Yes. So you assume that they're right, but they might not be. And that's when you look, goes back to the you. When you start looking at you, you look at, well, how good am I at reading body language now? Do I get it right? You know, am I socially awkward? Do I not? Do I say the thing, you know, the wrong thing at the wrong time, or 
do people react to me when you know I uh, bowl into a circle of four or five people all talking, and I bowl in there and go, oh, hello, and they all react and go away. So you have to look at where you are at this point in your life, how people have reacted to you, how often you think you get these things right. And then you have a baseline as to who you are and how well you read this stuff already or how well you put yourself across to others. Look at things like um, interviews. If you've gone for job interviews, how many times do you ace those jobs? Yeah. That will give you an indication as to how well you come across at interviews. And those are the sorts of things that will give you indicators as to where you are now and where you've been for the last 20, 30, 40 years, however old you are now. It gives you an idea to look at where you are and how you've got there. You know, and is it a case of you just do and say the wrong thing? In which case, yeah, you need to study your body language and not only your body language, but the types of things you say that accompany your body language. Because right. it's not all, you can't separate your, your verbal responses from your non-verbal responses. They are intrinsically linked because you're expressing uh, emotions, feelings, thoughts, and you do that through your words most of the time. And that is accompanied by body movements. Sometimes you, you don't have to say a word. You, know, you could be in a little small group at a networking event or something like that, and you're all chatting away fine, and then somebody joins the group, and let's just assume I'm in this group, somebody joins this group and I don't like them. And neither does the other person I'm talking to, or a couple of them. We know we don't like this person. Mm. We're calling them Russell for now. Yeah, um, I would. So, <laughs> I just look at one of the others and roll my eyes. They have 100% of my message. I haven't said a word, so the other person hasn't heard me, as in you, Russell, you haven't heard me express anything, and I look at you and smile. Hello, Russell, how are you? Yeah. But the rest of the people know I don't like you, Russell, yeah. because I've just rolled my eyes as if to say, oh, here we go. Mm, interesting. Um, and, and when you use a story like that, it brings it to life, and it makes it much more useful, doesn't it? Is, 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 um, is there a way of training myself to be better at reading it, then? Because actually, your, your commentary about putting a photograph up shows that it's very subjective isn't it because if all 700 if you're sitting there think because I'm looking at your smile at the moment on, on the Skype um, portal between us and um, so I've got a oh, picture right. up and I'm looking at that and thinking 700 people could read that differently couldn't they but what matters is what your intent was so the fact yes. oh, if 690 of them saying that you were being insincere but you said I was being really sincere that would be that would be a problem with the presentation rather than the subjective Response of people. So, can yeah. we train ourselves to get better? Is there a is there a, is there a way that we can start being more aware of this? And just first, to start off with, observing and decoding. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if you just sit um, in a coffee shop, restaurant, bar, shopping centre, anywhere, and just watch people, and what do they say in the book? In and this is literally how I did. Um, going back, you know. 30 odd years now. <laughs> um, but I would sit and I would watch people and I would make up my sort of mind as to what my opinion of what's going on. And then I would go over to people and say, Excuse me, I'm just trying to learn about body language. I've been watching you. 
I can't hear what you're saying, but based on what I've seen, would I be right in saying that you were uh, happy about this situation that you were talking about, or sad, or you didn't like what they said two minutes ago, and you... And some people reacted as if to say, you know, why, what are you doing watching my body language? But most people were really positive. And they go, oh, no, we were talking about this, that, or the other. So I gauge how accurate I was. Right. So that I would thoroughly recommend. But it takes a to do So the other way to do it is to record programs like um, Question Time, yeah. uh, political events like that, um, and soaps. Uh, I'll tell you why. Uh, the two different programs, because the political ones are always trying to get a perception across to the media, uh, through the media, to us at home. Yeah. So they have a an agenda. So you can see, if you watch it, with the sound of, and just sit and look, observe what you think you can see there, what emotions you think they're trying to express, what sort of, uh, what they're trying to portray and get us, the public, to believe. Right. And then watch that same thing with the sound up and see how accurate you are in what you thought was happening to what they are actually saying and trying to put across. Yeah. So that gives you one way of looking at it. The other one is, is soaps because soap actors tend to overact. So their facial expressions are, you know, overacted, overemphasized. The way they move is, you know, Overemphasized in all sorts of, you know, sometimes they call it ham acting, but it's it's deliberately done like that so as you can pick up on the cues as how that person is supposed to be feeling and portraying it on screen. So again, if you watch it with the sound off, make up your mind as to what you think is going on between the various actors, and then watch it again with the sound up, you will have a very good idea as to how close you are to what you think is being is going on and what is really trying to be portrayed by the actors or the politician. And then you have again a baseline as to where you are, how accurate you are, yeah. and then you take it from there. Yeah, that's very practical, thanks for that. What about um, the other end of it, which is me and my body language, how do I get a grip of it? How do I know whether it's, how do I know I can actually change it, I suppose? Uh, two ways, stand in front of a full length mirror right. and talk as you would talk to you know, an imaginary friend or doing a presentation of work or whatever situation, you know, being at a wedding function, you know, being at a, whatever you like, choose and imagine yourself in that situation and then look at what you're actually doing with your body language. The other way is simply video yourself doing the same thing. Absolutely. And then you see what you really do. Um, I remember years and years ago when I was, uh, I think I was working for the Rover Group, and we had a big sales training course, and each of us had to do the role plays and go up and present or you know, engage with the customer in some way. And um, one of the most common things for, for guys is jingling change in their pocket when they're nervous. Yes. And, but you don't know you're doing it. <laughs> Until maybe you hear it on a video going tinkle, 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 as your jingle. Yes. Your yeah, um, and it's amazing how many things you don't realise you do until you video yourself. Yeah, I'm pleased you said that because I think um, I think sometimes when you've been 
videoed without your knowledge sometimes. You know, like if you've been to an event or something and the video goes past you, you look at it and say, who's that? And you don't realise it's yourself. <laughs> it's very hard to recognise yourself, isn't it, when you don't see yourself in the mirror and associating yourself and being there. So it's, you, yeah. can, you can really learn a lot from that. And I think videos... And I, I think you, do you work in the media somewhat. And I think seeing yourself on telly, for example, is another way. A lot of people who say themselves on telly don't actually like themselves on telly because they're seeing the unintended consequences of their body language working, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And for a lot of people, when they hear themselves as well, that's quite a shock. Yes. Because they have their voice in their head. You know, it's a little bit like if you stick your fingers in your ears and start talking, you get the true sound of your voice. Yes. But when you take your fingers out of your ears and you talk, that doesn't, that's what you think is your voice. <laughs> yes. Mind you, I've got tinnitus, so all he is is a howling gale going on in my ears, so that's not so much fun. Um, no, that's not good. <laughs> so, um, so, so what, how, what, you wrote the book, you, you, a publisher approached you. What's, what's been your career that's led to this um, writing of a book? Well, going way, way back, um, I was uh, a bailiff and a private detective. Wow. And then I went into sales because I thought that if I can negotiate with people who have no money and do quite well at it, I can negotiate with people who do have money and want to spend it. Right. So I went, I went into sales and I worked for uh, Canon, Agfa, Hewlett Packard, Apple Macintosh, Xerox, people like that, yeah. selling office equipment. And it was that, and I mean literally that, the very first interview I went to uh, for a job with Canon, selling uh, photocopies and things, I was caught out by my own body language because I was lying. And I literally shook the guy's hand and he, I was wearing a shirt jacket. This is in my book, it's right at the back. Um, I was wearing a shirt jacket, tie, but I, it wasn't a suit. And I shook his hand and he said, have you got a suit? And I went, yeah. And he went, why aren't you wearing it? And I went, uh, it's in the cleaners. And he went, you're lying, but I like your answer, sit down, because sales is about thinking on your feet. Yeah. So I've given him an immediate response. Okay, he knew I was lying. I was ooh, 19 years old, mate. 1984 this was. Right. Um, <clears throat> and all through this interview, I thought, I did you know I was lying? Yeah. Because I was. And at the end of the interview, I got the job, and I said, okay, how do you know I was lying? And he said, your body language gave you away. And I said, my what? Because back in 1984, as I said earlier, the two words body and language hadn't really been put together that long. Yeah. Um, so it was something that at that time was very much uh, a big thing in sales. It still is and should be more because very few companies actually train their staff in body language. They will spend thousands and thousands on leadership courses and time management courses and da 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 but one course on body language can completely transform an entire team of people, whether it be a sales team, whether it be a team of people in an office, because they understand each other yeah. a lot better. And they can call people out, you know, you, let's face it, in, in offices you get it a lot, where people go, oh yeah, I'll get that done by Thursday, and they don't mean it, then you can tell that from their body language. And if you can pick up on that and go, look, hang on, you're saying that, however your body language, it, you can just get a lot more things done because people are aware that everybody is aware of everybody else's body language. They tend to be a lot more honest with each other. Okay, so you worked in sales and what came after that? Um, 
Body language, me as the body language man. I was in sales from 1984 and I set up on my own in 2000. I did my first TV program in 2000. And I've been doing and commenting from newspapers, magazines, and all that, that ever since. So the last 15 years, 16 years, I've been the body language man. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And, um, and so you, you um, tell me about the media work you've done. Sorry, you, that bit cut out just as you were saying that. Uh, the media work that I've done, I've worked, oh, uh, I've been on hundreds of TV programs. I worked on the Trisha Goddard show for eight years as the resident body language expert. Um, did Big Brother's Little Brother for about five years. Um, I've done all sorts of uh, criminal documentaries looking at murderers and their body language. I comment for, well, I've commented for pretty much every national newspaper in this country um, on politicians or celebrities or people who just happen to find themselves in the news. You know, there was a few years ago there was that murder, uh, murder down in Bristol and there was a guy called Chris something or other uh, who found himself the spotlight and they thought he was the murderer. And so I end up analysing people like that who just find themselves, you know, suddenly under the media spotlight. Yeah. Um, and I did, ha I did actually say, yeah, nothing to do with it. Which he didn't. Um, so I get phone calls, just whatever happens in the, the news world, um, I'll get a phone call and I either have to dive to a studio and do a live bit or um, do something over the phone for a radio station or analyze video that people are selling, uh, sending me and then give them feedback on, on what I've just watched. So yeah, it can be, depending on what's going on in the world, um, sometimes I end up doing nothing but media for about you know, three, four days at a time, depending on the story. Yeah. Um, so, you're, back. So, so, you're really, so you really know your onions, and you're, you know, you're acknowledged as an expert, so you've written this book. Did you ex intend the book to be like um, an introduction to the subject? Uh, what was the, what, who, who's the book written for, would you say, Robert? Um, it's, it's under the, uh, the capstone business range, so it was intended at the, for the business market, um, but the way it is written, everything in it applies to everybody else not in business situations, because right. they're the same. Because Let me go back. When I went down to see the publishers, they said to me, we'd like you to write us a body language book, and we'd like it like this, and this, and this, and this. And I said, no. I said, if I'm going to write you a book, it's not going to be like that, because that's the same as previous books that are out there, and it's all regurgitating the same old, same old stuff. Right. Yeah, if you look. And it was very much based on, if you move your hands like this, it means this. Right. If you do that, it means that. Well, that's pointless, because you've got to put it all together. So my book is written from, it starts with you, the, the Yoda part, yeah. um, which looks at the environment and different situations, and then it goes into the actual body language side of things. And it's from the moment you meet somebody. So it goes through a meeting, the greeting, you know, into, or sorry, the greeting, into, you know, going into meetings, presentations, negotiation, that sort of thing. Right. So it's written from a situational point of view as to how most interactions go. I.e., you meet somebody, you have chit-chat, whatever goes on, and then you say goodbye. Right. So it's from the beginning to the end, and what might occur, and each bit rolls into the next bit. 
Um, and there's exercises in there for you to go and try. You know, just sit. You know, most people will, when they buy the book, um, are sitting on you know, trains because it was available for. It was in Smith's uh, top thirty non-fiction books for about eleven months. Wow. Um, yeah, it did amazingly well. It was next to you know books by Alan Sugar or Stephen Fry and people like this. It was quite quite good because I'd go into a Smith's in, in one of the tra- train stations and there's my book. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, um, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's done very well, it's because it's from a situational point of view, not a body movement point of view equals this emotion. It's right. built around each of the situations, and each of those situations apply outside of business as well, because you still meet people, you still greet people, you still have interactions with them, and you still say goodbye. So it's, it's meant as a, a practical book, not like some sort of academic text or massively theoretical or very advanced. It's it's no. very, it's sort of a useful book for everybody, yeah? Yep, it's perfectly practical and each of the sections has something for you to you know attempt to do and to change either your own body language or how you're observing other people's body language. Um, and all the things I've said to you about you know, videoing yourself or looking in a mirror or watching the soaps, and the, the, it's all in there. Smashing. And any plans for another one, Kevin? Uh, what do you think? Well, time. I mean, the publishers want me to do version two. Want me to add about another sort of ten, fifteen thousand words. Um, and eventually, I will get around to it. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's having the time to do all these things because, as I say, things change with the media work that I do. Um, it literally something could go off this afternoon, and I spend the next three days in and out of the studio. <laughs> Which is great fun, but it robs time from other things that you want to do. Yes, exactly. Well, Robert, that's been really, really fantastic. Tell us, tell us again the name of the book and how we can get hold of it. The book is simply called Body Language. It's what you don't say that matters. It's available on Amazon as either a hard copy book or as a Kindle download. Um, or on my own website, robertphipps.com, which if you go there now, please forgive me, it's just having an upgrade. <laughs> Within a week or so, it should be all changed. Um, and I've also got some DVDs on there, which are a training course I ran some years ago, because I don't run very many uh, open public training courses. It's normally about one a year, if that. And this one was recorded. It's the only one I've ever recorded. And it's 10 DVDs across the entire weekend, completely unedited, you see what everything that goes on from start to finish. Um, it's been selling on Amazon now for about 10 years. Wow, fantastic stuff. And as you say, if corporates think there's, that they really want to get some um, useful training, then that's a good starting point for them to have a look at, I suppose. It is. In fact, I do know certain companies, in fact, Coty, the um, manufacturers of perfumes and makeup, it based their entire uh, training for their sales representatives in the stores and in shops all around the world, based totally around my book, um, because it was, it was a way of interacting with people. You know, they're in the prime location where they have to interact with people, and they've got to be able to read their body language. Yeah, too right, uh, Robert. It's been really brilliant. Thanks. I, I know we are sort of out of time now, but I really appreciate your time to help. I hope loads of loads more people flock and buy the book. And I can really only thank you so much for spending some time with us today. It's been really useful. Thank you. You're absolutely welcome. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening today. I hope we really got some value from that. I certainly enjoyed it myself. 
Remember, there's other podcasts and with tools and techniques, different speakers and different resources available in this series of Resilience Unraveled, so please feel free to subscribe. Why not also drop across to Facebook and join our group, Resilience Unraveled, and join in the conversation. Also, if you wanted to whip over to iTunes and drop us a, a preview or a review, that would be fantastic. Thanks ever so much. You can get hold of us at qedod.com or at personalresilience.com where you can get hold of free ebooks, resources, some online courses, and even some coaching. But whatever happens, I look forward for you joining us on the next edition of Resilience Unraveled. Thank you.